Well, good morning, everyone. We're really glad that you're here. And uh, yeah, welcome to the new year. We want to take a journey together. We want to take a journey together as we move into these next number of weeks. And uh, inner skeptic saints. Chances are there's a number of you here this morning, and you feel this incredible pull. Uh, God is calling you to step further in your walk with him. He's calling you to step further in just your connection with the world, stepping into the brokenness around you and proclaiming that there is life and hope and new possibility because of Jesus. Um, you know that God's love is always around you. You have this sense that his forgiveness is continually sustaining you, that his grace uh, is upholding you. But at the same time, you also have these lingering questions on the inside. Um, You have these uncertainties that continue to sit with you. Uh, You have these doubts. You know, like, I know that God loves me, but I have to be honest, sometimes it feels like he's a little apathetic towards me, right? Sometimes it feels like, as I'm supposed to be stepping into the brokenness around me and proclaiming the life and hope that Jesus brings, sometimes it feels like maybe he's not in it as much as I'm in it, Um. And sometimes some things can happen. We can, we can kind of ignore those lingering uncertainties that are there. We can ignore those questions. Um, maybe sometimes then the questions get, get really immense. You know, like, is this all really true? Or am I just doing this because I was born in this? Uh, I had the opportunity to um, walk amongst many high school students for a lot of years And I was always amazed at the number of students who would be there in church because their families were there in church. But you would often see as students would kind of get to a certain age and like once mom and dad weren't there anymore, they just kind of, they just kind of drifted out, right? Maybe you, maybe you know that story to be true of someone that you love. And the the inner skeptic inside just took over. And we live in a world, really, that is constantly forcing us into choices each and every day. So, so when we're living with the sense of like, man, I, I feel as if like God is surrounding me and I feel like God has done something new in my life, I feel like I'm a saint. Um, but I also realize I have this inner skeptic within. Because our world is, is always telling us you have to choose which one you are. Right? We don't know how to sit in the tension of those both being present at the same time. And so I have a strong sense that many of us here in this room continually live with this tension of, of knowing that, yes, God loves me. His grace sustains me. His forgiveness is continually flowing toward me. I'm a saint, but yet I'm flooded with uncertainties, and I have questions, and I have doubts, and in some weeks... They seem really strong. Um, And I know that's true for a lot of people that we encounter in the neighborhoods all around us, right? Our schools, our workplaces. And, And most of them, most of the people that we walk with have bought the lie 
that our world continually says you have to choose which one you are and then just kind of go live that, right? So if you're a skeptic, if you're an inner skeptic, just go be an inner skeptic. Distance yourself from faith. Distance yourself from anything that feels religious um, because you have to choose one. And, and my concern is I don't want any of us to feel like we have to be forced into that choice because that's not a choice that Jesus asks us to make. And, and more than anything, that's what I want us to hear this morning. You are not being forced to make a choice of do I follow the trail of the inner skeptic or do I follow this trail of the saint? That these two things often coexist together. And we're going to look at a part of Scripture where we're going to see this to be true, and we're going to see how Jesus specifically addresses um, this specific thing that's happening in people's lives. So making choices. Uh, some choices are, are really easy to make for me. You know, for instance, if, if I see this red balloon connected to a sewer grate um, right here, like, I'm not going to go anywhere near that, right? And those of you who know scary movies, like, you know what I'm talking about, right? If, if you haven't seen it, you don't know what I'm talking about. But like, no, if I see that easy choice, not going near that, uh-uh. Clowns, no, especially scary clowns. Just stay away. Um, other choices, like, uh, you know, so if you saw this road close sign here, but you're like, well, that's the quickest way to my destination, you might be like, how many of you would be like, I don't know, if that's the straightest line between point A and point B, I'm going to go through that tunnel and just see what happens. Any daredevils here? Yeah, you might be for it, right? Depending on the day, I don't know, I might be like, all right, maybe I'll pay attention to that, maybe I won't. Um, yeah, some choices, they're, they're pretty clear, you know? Some choices are really difficult. For instance, you know, is it going to be pizza or ice cream? Oh, man. I mean, how many pizza? How many pizza? Yeah? How many ice cream? Ah, maybe we don't have to be forced into this choice. After all, we could come up with this right here, okay? So things can coexist together, right? In fact, a lot of times, like, look, look at some of the most beautiful art around you. This is why I want us to understand like, we don't have to be forced into following this trail or that trail, but oftentimes these two trails together are a part of our journey because sometimes the most beautiful art, whether it's cooking, painting, um, music, whatever it is, like when, when kind of different things are blended together and we allow them to coexist, that's where real beauty and real substance is at, Right? Um, I mean, think about it. I'm a music lover. So for me, if people are like, what, what kind of music do you like best? You know, I'm like, post-rock. They're like, post-rock, what's that? And I'm like, well, post-rock. It's like, you know, it's like rock, jazz, blues, classical. You just throw it all together. It's like a hodgepodge, you know? Um, some of the most beautiful art exists because we allow it to exist together. So, our world is almost always forcing us into unnecessary choices. Um, but Jesus is always calling us out of that dualistic mindset, you know, that says either choose this or choose that, into a form of non-dualism, right? Like, let these things kind of coexist together. That's why the disciples at one point in time, they're like, um, hey, Jesus, like, should we go and, like, rip up all the weeds amongst the wheat? She's like, no, let them grow together. Let them grow together. Like, a, a time's coming when we'll deal with that. But there's, there's purpose in letting these things grow together. 
The disciples are like, no, 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 let's, let's separate it. Um, think about it, Republican or Democrat, you have to choose, right? You have to choose. They can't coexist together. You're either religious or you're irreligious. Um, when the reality is everyone's religious. religious, religion is just the way that we deal with all the loose ends of the world around us, you know? Kind of the, the loose ends are there. Things have kind of come untied. Things are broken. And so religion is really... The, the root word of religion is just how we put together all of these loose ends that have come apart. We, we don't have to make these choices. In Matthew chapter 28, this is what I want us to pay attention to this morning. Um, Jesus is um, calling his original disciples. There's now 11. Um, the 12th one um, is off the scene. Judas, most of us know what took place there. Um, Jesus has gone through the crucifixion. Um, the resurrection has taken place. Jesus has appeared to Mary Magdalene, and Jesus has said to Mary, go and tell my disciples um, that I'm alive, and I, I want to see them in Galilee, okay? So we pick up the story here in Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter of Matthew. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, why Galilee? Galilee is where Jesus' ministry started. Really, Nazareth, the town where Jesus was born, is up in Galilee. Uh, the disciples were originally called up in Galilee, the, the northern part of Israel. And so Jesus is calling them back to the beginning. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, Doubters, leave me because you're not allowed to be here. No. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So verse 17 says, and seeing, and seeing him, they worshipped him. In the original language that this is written, what we just read is this, that, that they worshipped him, but what did it say? But some doubted, right? If you read this in the original Greek, all right, and trust me, go home and take out your Greek New Testaments. I know you all have them. Um, but, but what you'll see there is this, and seeing him, they worshipped him, but they doubted. If you read it in the straight, literal Greek, they worshipped him, but they doubted. Which makes us stop and ask, well, what did they doubt? Did, did they doubt that he was alive? I don't know, maybe. It's possible. Yet he's alive right there in front of them. I tend to think that the doubt and the uncertainty that each of these disciples was experiencing in the midst of this moment of worship, like, oh my goodness, this one here who displayed something so beautiful to us is alive. Like, this, this just asks for our awe and our worship. But yet I think the doubt runs even deeper than just, is he really alive? 
Um, because remember, Jesus is calling these individuals to be disciples, right? People who actually live like he lives. People who actually love like he loves. People who love to the point of emptying themselves, right? Where they're not asking the question, what's in this for me? And so I, I tend to think that the disciples, their doubt and their uncertainty and their skepticism goes even deeper. For instance, if you were one of these disciples, might you stop and ask the question, okay, he's alive, this is amazing, I'm in a place of awe and worship right now, but do I really believe that this way of life that he's calling me into, do I really believe that this is going to change the world? Do I really believe that this is worth it? Or let's take it even further. I know what this is going to cost me. I know how much this is going to hurt to love in this kind of way. I know that if I follow this path that he's laid out for me, that I could end up carrying my own cross in the way that he had to carry his cross. Can I really do that? Can I really step into that? And some of us are feeling it because we know, like, how many of you, how many of you, either you're a student or you're a teacher and you're stepping back into schools tomorrow, right? Man, Lord have mercy. Um, Schools are hard. Schools are hard places. I mean, Jesus, Jesus asked his followers to step right into the brokenness of the world, but, but not to inhabit the same kinds of means and methods of the brokenness that was going on. They're not playing the power games, not, not playing the game of what's in this for me, but like really stepping into the brokenness. And I mean, to the point where like it feels like you're actually like giving your own blood day after day. Like, this is demanding something of you. And so I know if you're a student or if you're a teacher here in this room this morning, um, Lord, have mercy on you. We want to pray for you. Like, it's hard stepping back into school. It's hard. And you might be doubting, can I really do this? Man, am I really, like, am I really ready for this? Another semester of this. Others of us, maybe there's situations at work or relational situations around us, and we have a sense that God is calling us to step into those and to really love like Jesus loves, to be patient like Jesus was patient, to keep giving like Jesus gave. Like, we have a sense that we're being called into that, and and we're drawn to it because we have this sense of awe and worship that, yes, like, I know the divine is calling me to this, but i got to be honest, I'm filled with all kinds of doubts and uncertainties. Is this worth it? Is this worth it? Is this just 2,000 years of hodgepodge that's just been going on? And like, can I really do this? So they worshipped, but they doubted. And notice that Jesus doesn't ask. Jesus does not ask these disciples to choose between himself and their doubts. Jesus does not say, choose this one. Just come on, come follow me. Do it blindly. Don't ask questions. Don't have doubts. Don't have uncertainties. Just have faith all the time, right? We've been around people like that before, and when I'm around people like that, I honestly walk away and say to myself, are you human? Like, I don't know if I can relate with you or not. 
Like, I, I feel like there's, like, part of you that's not human. Like, you just, you operate on this spiritual plane that is like, I don't know. But then I've also been around people that it's like, they've just full-blown given themselves to all of the skepticisms that are out there. This can't be trusted. I don't know if it's worth it. And you know what? I'm just going this path. You guys do your thing. And guys, my hope My hope for a world, and I believe Jesus' hope for a world, is that we could actually raise up a community of people to say, these two things are allowed to coexist together. A great sense of like awe and worship of of the sense of like, man, look what the divine is doing amongst us. He came and lived with us. Look at what he modeled for us. He didn't actually just like come in and like stop our suffering. He actually entered into our suffering and took the full weight upon it himself. He didn't just end our violence, but he actually took the violence upon himself, and then he sent back his love, and he's like recycling love and forgiveness in the midst of the violence. Like, this should draw us to a place of like awe and worship, but it should leave us saying to ourselves, I don't know if I can live this way or not. I don't know if I can do this. But Jesus is not asking his disciples to choose one or the other. The church, guys, the church mosaic is actually built upon people who lived this contradiction. What is Jesus saying to them? You guys go, go and make disciples. Come on, go tell the stories of what you've seen. Go tell the stories of how this kind of love, what it looks like in action. Go and like, you know what? Yeah, you're going to have to take up a cross too, but go take up your cross and go live amongst your neighbors and like show people what this looks like. Like go, I'm building my church on this. And so you're going to be filled at times with this incredible sense of awe and worship, but oftentimes you're going to be filled with this sense of doubt and uncertainty and is this worth it? I don't know if I can do it. What's the point of it all? But let these things coexist together. Mosaic, that's my hope for you wherever you're at this morning in whatever is before you, whatever situation. Let those coexist and realize you're exactly the person that Jesus wants to build his church. Not the super spiritual person who appears to have it all together, who in a sense has kind of lost the ability to relate with people around them because it feels like they can't even be honest. And not the person who is totally given in to just all of the skepticism that they have, but no, the person who can allow those things to coexist together. So, Mosaic, here's some things that I want us to sit with this morning um, as we just allow this, this passage to kind of sit with us. Now, just to give you a heads up as to where we're going in future weeks, um, we're, we're going to wrestle with a lot of the skepticisms, a lot of the uncertainties, a lot of the doubts that maybe we live with, but also that a lot of people live with who are all around us every day. Um, we're just going to dive in next week, and we're going to talk about just Scripture and the Bible itself. Um, you know, there's all kinds of doubts that we can have about the validity of this book. Is it just some ancient, you know, document um, for an ancient people and it really holds no bearing for us today and people have just misused it to bring about all kinds of certainties and this or that? Like, we're just going to wrestle with some of that and like, what is the real purpose of Scripture? What is the real purpose of the Bible? Like, let's not put it on the pedestal that, that it doesn't ask to be put on, um, but let's also not just trample it like it's just some kind of just meaningless ancient text either. What does it mean to actually live in a way that we can hold this book and allow um, the contradictions to kind of coexist together? So we're going to wrestle with that. Um, 
We're going we're gonna to, another week, focus on just uh, uh, suffering and evil in the world. Why does it happen? Um, maybe you, like me, you've heard people say, I, I've seen people who have been in situations that I'm thankful I haven't found myself in. Um, and, and I wrestle with a lot of internal questions. It's probably good for you to know, like, I don't know what your breadcrumb trail is that's led you to faith. It's probably good for you to know a little bit of the breadcrumb trail that's led me to faith. Um, I never wanted to be a pastor. In fact, I rejected it for a lot of years. Maybe you never wanted to be a part of a church, you know, or step like fully into the life of a church. Um, I had seen a lot of things growing up, um, just in unhealthy church environments, and I'm like, that just doesn't, that doesn't feel like what Jesus really was asking us to step into. Um, but yet at the same time, I found myself also in these env- in environments where at times I would see these pictures of like, wow, this is, this is, there's a real beauty here. Like God's love and grace is clearly evident here, and it's being shared with other people. Um, so I'm kind of a walking contradiction. So I, I probably just need to throw that out there to you because if, you, if you're here and you need a pastor to put a beautiful red bow on everything for you, I'm only going to disappoint you. I just, I just want you to know that. Like, I'm only going to disappoint you. But if you're here and you don't need the pretty red bow put on everything, but you're actually willing to kind of like wrestle with things and, and acknowledge the contradictions, I, I think we'll find ourselves connecting on some things. So, so going back to this idea of suffering around us and why do things happen sometimes the way they do, one key element of my story was uh, I was going through, my family and I were going through a rough transition um, at a church. And in the midst of that, my mother, who was 61, um, her breast cancer had resurfaced in um, other parts of her body. And she had just retired after working full-time for 30 years. She had grandkids that were in different parts of the country, and she was so looking forward. And this, this was a woman who loved Jesus dearly. And I saw her oftentimes love like Jesus, empty herself like Jesus. And she just continually, continually gave. Like, it was not about her. And as the cancer came back into her body shortly after she retired, she passed at the age of 61. And that was a very dark time in my faith. Like, it those, those are the times where you ask the questions like, really? Um, and you'll hear sometimes Christians say things like, well, this is to bring glory to God, you know, so you go through it to bring glory to God. And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I don't know if God's looking for glory to be brought to him through my mom's cancer. Like God's, you know, like, sometimes you just realize, like, we live in a chaotic, fallen world. And like, because God is love, love requires a certain amount of freedom. And so there's this incredible amount of freedom for chaos and evil to run rampant in our world because love doesn't like, love isn't possessive. Love doesn't control things, but love is always there in the midst of the mess. So we're going to talk about kind of suffering and evil and the things that happen around us and, and how do we think about those things. Um, we're going to talk about hell and uh, Hitler's five minutes in hell. Talk about that. Um, we're going to wrestle with just some, some questions maybe that some of us are dealing with there. And then eventually we're going to start coming out of the questions, 
out of the skepticism into like, okay, so then how do, how do we live then in this world? As people who, who kind of have this, you know, cohabitation of both like faith and uncertainties and questions, like how do we move forward? How do we do this together? So as followers of Jesus, how do we live the contradiction as saints and inner skeptics? Here's the first thing I want us to know, Mosaic. Um, embrace the truth that your doubts, your questions, your uncertainties don't sideline you from participating in the faith of the church and the healing of the world. Please don't let yourself be sidelined. There is nothing wrong with you. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with you. You're actually the very one that Jesus is building his church on. They worshiped, they doubted. And Jesus said, Go and make disciples. Teach them to live the life that I've modeled for you. Teach them to go and be good news for the world. Like, don't let it sideline you. You're actually the one that God is like, yes, you're the person I'm inviting into this. Um, these, These doubts, these questions, these uncertainties, they bring you right into the middle of the field of play. Second thing, as followers of Jesus, how do we live the contradiction as saints and inner skeptics? Embrace others who doubt, who question, who have uncertainties. Now, don't embrace them in an obnoxious way, you know, but like seek, seek out friendship in relationship with people who doubt, who have questions, and, and then say to yourself, I'm not here to fix them. I'm simply here to walk with them. And together, by walking together over the long haul, allowing God's grace to kind of be here and allowing the conversation to open up about ways that I have doubts, the ways that I have uncertainties, the ways that I have questions, maybe we'll kind of begin to see that these things can coexist together. Um, Here's the deal, Mosaic. People often walk away from the church not because they doubt. They don't walk away from the church because they doubt but it's because they're not allowed to doubt. In in some way, they feel like they're not allowed to doubt. In some way, it feels like they're just being given pat answers, and they have to be okay with these answers. But they don't know how to, they, they can't do that. And so there's people all around us. I want you to look up, do we have the graphic of, um, it's a black and white graphic? Uh, I had Brian McCain make this for us. Can we give Brian a hand? Man, Brian like, whoo. Um, Mosaic, here's something I want us to, here's something I want us to understand as we keep growing as a church. Like, where is the church? Okay, so we gather here on a Sunday morning, yes. We gather here on a Sunday morning. But this is not the only place where the church is, right? The church is here, and it's there, and it's there, and it's there, and it's there, and it's every place we find ourselves. Like, that's where the church is. That's where the kingdom of God is at work, right? And the church is kind of the, just the representation of the kingdom. But guys, the church is, it's around us in all places. And so how do we begin to kind of realize that there are people all around us who have been forced into unnecessary choices of either choose whether you're going to be the saint or whether you're going to be the skeptic? But no, how do we realize these people all around us, like, they don't have to make that choice, these things can, can be together. So look to embrace others who doubt, others who have uncertainties. Look for opportunities to, like, start a conversation. 
You know, somehow we need to just make these things, uh, we need to make them okay to talk about again, right? We need to make these things okay to talk about again, because as long as we're not talking about them, people are going to continue to kind of just choose one path or the other. But, but Jesus is telling us again, no, 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 I'm building my church on people who live this contradiction, people who, who are filled with awe and worship, but also people who doubt. So embrace others who doubt. The third thing, embrace I don't know. Embrace I don't know. And Jesus is okay with that. Um, but then if you don't know allow that to build in you some spiritual humility where you actually maybe begin to read things, interact with things, realizing that there's a lot of things out there and and, and there's conversations that we can have with each other. In fact, we're going to do that as a church. One of the things that we're going to be introducing this year, Mosaic, is every month, the first one is coming up later this month, Every month, we're going to create a space, um, and the Bay is allowing us to use their cafe um, where you can come and lean into discussion and storytelling with other people from Mosaic. And it's going to shift around on different nights of the month. But we'll find ourselves, even some months, like kind of really having some just real dialogue about these things. Um, so keep your eye out for those. That's one of the things that we're introducing this year. And, and that's not just for Mosaic people. That can be if you have a friend that you want to bring along with you, we'll let you know kind of, you know, where the dialogue is going to be centered around, what we're going to be talking about. But we'll wrestle with some of these tensions as we go throughout the year. Um, creating space where we can just, yeah, dialogue together about these things. But embrace, I don't know. It's a path to humility and spiritual growth. Um, fourth thing, let go of shame and pride surrounding your doubts. And chances are you either experience shame about your doubts and uncertainties or you have pride about them. For instance, if you have shame, it's, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe I just need to have more faith. You know, come on, God, you know, I should be more convinced of this. I just need to have more faith. But on the other hand, sometimes it's easy to have pride. Like, you're, you know, you meet some people and it's like, oh, yeah, that's hogwash which in a sense is what they've said is like, oh, so you know for certain, right? You know for certain just as well as kind of this person over here knows for certain. Um, you know, being a fundamentalist just doesn't mean that you're a religious person. You can, you can be a fundamentalist on this side, but you can be a fundamentalist on this side too. Fundamentalism is just the way that we hold our beliefs. Fundamentalism is just the way that we hold our certainties. And, and so what we want to do is we want to learn to Um, We want to learn to be faithful with our doubts. We don't have to be ashamed of them, but we also aren't prideful with them. We just want to be faithful with them. And part of being faithful with them is allowing us to hold them and saying, I don't know about a lot of things, and it's okay, and I'm going to be faithful with this, and I'm going to let it lead me down a path, and I'm I'm going to let it lead me into some exploration and some dialogue and some conversation. So let go of shame and pride. Being faithful with our doubts, guys, is simply bringing them to Jesus. It's bringing them to the community of Jesus around us, and in particular, the vastness of his community, not just one small little part of the church, you know, that's kind of been this narrow stream of Christianity, but bringing it to the vastness of the Christian community, that there are are many streams within just kind of the vast 
flowing river of Christian thought throughout the centuries. So it means we bring them to the community of Jesus. We bring them humbly to our neighborhood. We open the door for conversation. Remember Jesus as Savior and Lord because of his faithfulness and not because of your faithful and certain beliefs. You can be faithful with your doubts and questions and uncertainties because your rescue, your salvation, your status as a saint, as a child of God, does not depend on your faithful and certain beliefs. That's dependent on what Jesus has done for you. Right? That's, that's our union with Jesus, right? He's the faithful one. That's the good news. You're not. I'm not. You're not going to be. Um, we are called to be holy, and we are called to grow in faithfulness, but, like, there's times where we're not going to be. And so our, our having some type of, like, certain faithful, you know, super strong beliefs all the time, that's not where our rescue and, and salvation lies. And so the last thing, then, allow your inner skeptic to be embraced by your union with Jesus. Allow your inner skeptic to be embraced by your union with Jesus. Whatever questions you have right now, whatever uncertainties you have, and again, maybe it's just I'm uncertain about whether I can do this, about whether I'm really ready for this, whatever is before you. Allow your union with Jesus, allow Jesus to just embrace your inner skeptic. Faith, Mosaic, faith isn't the absence of doubt Faith isn't the absence of doubt, but faith is the presence of love. Faith is the presence of love, that God's love surrounds you wherever you're at. So inner skeptic saints, that's the journey we're going on, Mosaic. So we invite you on that journey with us. We invite you to ready yourselves to just wrestle with some tensions and questions and realize that Jesus is building his church on people who can live this contradiction. Um, and together we're going to experience, and I believe, God doing some things in our midst, but also even as we kind of grow in allowing ourselves to grow in some of these conversations with, with many others. who They've walked away from Jesus' communities because they've bought the lie that they either have to choose one path or the other. They can't allow these things to, to coexist together. The, they can't be that contradiction. Um, so I want to invite um, Landon and Darren back up here as they prepare to lead us in this final song. And Mosaic, my hope for us is that as we come to these tables together this morning, uh, that you would allow that you would allow the faithfulness of Jesus to minister to you in whatever you're facing, whatever is before you, whatever is leading you to to questions, whatever is leading you to uncertainties, whether it's doubts about God or whether it's doubts about yourself, and maybe just I don't know if I can keep doing this or not. You know, doubts, questions, skepticism, it's all there. But bring that and allow Jesus uh, to just hold that all together. Uh, Allow him to nourish you in that place. So let's just remember that as Jesus was with his disciples, right, on that last night before his death, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body given for you. And then he took a cup and he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood, which is for you for the forgiveness of sins. And we're going to go from here, stepping into all of the uncertainties before us, realizing that you're exactly the kind of person that Jesus wants to build his church on. You are. You are with all of your questions, all of your doubts, all of your uncertainties. And let's share that with the world around us, okay? So we have a little bit of a different setup here this morning. We just want to invite you down the center aisle when you're ready. And as you come down the center aisles, 
There's a couple tables on each side, and you can just make your way back to your seat going down the side aisles there. And um, yeah, let's allow this time to be a moment where Jesus ministers to us.